thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. In Ephesians chapter 4, I was thinking of this prior to we, we get to where, really where we're at, but you, you'll understand as I begin to read this, uh, all of the book of Ephesians is a great book written by Paul to the church at Ephesus. And you remember Ephesus is one of the churches that's addressed in the book of Revelation uh, that was in existence. And at that particular time, about 70 A.D. or 75 A.D., Jesus had come to John on the island of Patmos and had mentioned seven churches in Asia Minor. Ephesus was one of them. And he, and he spoke a word, uh, in, insight into where the churches were at that particular time. So it's a church that was in existence, planted by Paul. And uh, it is a book that talks about the, our walk with Christ, but also our our stand against the enemy and our warfare against the enemy. But in Ephesians chapter 4, if you're looking there with me, um, I'll, I'll start with um, verse 7. Go to verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Remember there, note it's Christ's gift. Therefore, he say, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave, say it, gifts to men. It's Christ who gave gifts. You know what a gift is. It's something that you get at a birthday, you get at Christmas time, but it's something that uh, you could expect it or not expect it, but you were given to it. It's something free. It's, it's to be a blessing, isn't it? A gift is to be a blessing. So God was giving gifts as a blessing to us. Now this he ascended what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And let me just make a note on that particular phrase there. There's a lot of controversy over exactly what that scripture means. That does it mean that Jesus prior to his resurrection did he actually descend down to the very depths of hell? Is that what it means or does it mean something different? I personally believe that he descended and that that's where he warred against the prince of the powers of this air, the arch enemy, our arch enemy, but God, the devil himself. And that's where he did battle with the devil and um, he, um, he defeated him. <laughs> He defeated him, we know that. But there was a warfare that took place. It was a real warfare that took place. And remember, he stripped him of his authority in other scriptures, and that's not the purpose of our message, but he did. He had a confrontation. That's where he took the keys of death and hell, and he, then he rose victorious over that. But there is some dispute over that, but I, I believe there's. I remember one of our Easter presentations, and each and every year we've been doing it for 30 some years, but each year we try to, you know, how many know you can't rewrite that story? There, there's, there's just a basic uh, uh, theme of the script you can't get away from, but there are parts around it that we add and songs we add. One year we added 
a song that goes back many years ago that you guys will remember called The Champion. And I forget who actually wrote that song, but who was it? Yeah, yeah, right. And, and, but what we did is we set the stage up, and we actually had a scene after the death of Christ and where he descended down in, and the stage opened up on the east side. We didn't have this building at that time. And when the stage opened up, this flame shot out of the stage, and, and this, the devil came up onto the stage. Well, it freaked everybody out. <laughs> I, you know, to me, I didn't think it was a big thing, but the emails told me otherwise. <laughs> I remember getting some emails about that. But I, I remember in Midland Night, who, who was a great brother uh, in the Lord. Matter of fact, he, he came to the Lord on Christmas Eve and moved in with me that night. I remember that back in the 70s. Uh, and, uh, but uh, he was African-American brother, and he came in with an afro about this big and, and just loving Jesus. He turned his heart over Jesus, but he was in that play. and he, There was a battle, a confrontation, and a wrestling match. And, and what we were doing is just trying to illustrate that this is real warfare. It's a real warfare. Now, we depicted it in a physical way, wrestling, but actually we're going to get to Ephesians where it says that we wrestle not. So that word used there is a very strong word. It's, it's more than combat where you're shooting arrows at one another. It's more than you're just using a sword. It's actually when you're on the ground wrestling. So it's the closest of all confrontations that you can have where it's a life and death situation. So we depicted this wrestling and going on that went on. But only to show that there's a battle going on. This verse here talks about that there was this time period when this verse is actually being carried out that he descended to the lower part. So look what it says. And again, I remind us of verse, verse uh, uh, nine again. He first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended also is the one who ascended far above. Say far above. So ultimately Jesus descended far above. It, and that's where you may say far above. And, and as we talk about spiritual warfare, never forget that Christ is far above. Say far above again. And we don't want to lose sight of that. Sometimes when you get in a wrestling march, match, somehow we believe that maybe God's down in the dirt with us. Now, in a way, He's down in the dirt with us, but don't forget that He's far above what is happening. He's with us. He's our strength. And, he, and He's with us in times of needs and times of wrestling and all of that, but He's far above. Say far above. I don't want us to forget that. He's above all of this that we talk about. And He Himself, verse 11, gave some to be apostles and some prophets. Remember, talk about gifts, right? We talk about these free gifts that are given. So we're talking about that apostle is a gift. Prophet is a gift. The evangelist is a gift. Pastors are gifts. Teachers are gifts. They're given for, the, for what? The equipping of the saints. So these gifts were given. And to me, this is a great care that is expressed here by Christ for his church. You got to think this through. Sometimes we read these verses and we just read them so fast that we don't realize the, the content and, and what it's actually expressing to us and expressing God's great love for His church. He takes care of His church. And we make up the church. Believers make up the church. He loves the church, as you'll see later down in these verses here. So He gave these gifts 
to the church for the equipping of the saints. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. You don't, you know, they just had a big canonization of, of Mother Teresa. You know, you have to, listen, I want to tell you right now, you don't have to wait to be canonized. If you have the blood of Jesus Christ over your, if you're a born again believer, believe in your heart, Jesus Christ, confess it with your mouth, you are a saint. Now, they say that she didn't have to wait, what well, was, it been like 25 years, but normally it could be 400 years. You know, I grew up in, in that where they canonized that for 400 years and you had to show so many miracles that you did in your life and all of that. Listen, God bless them. They try so hard, but they miss it so far. No, in all reality, and it's led too many people astray to believe because we don't, you don't take your position of who you are. We've been canonized by Jesus Christ. <laughs> we don't have to wait for man to do it. It's been done by the blood of Christ over our lives. And we are, so you're a saint. Turn to someone and say, you're a saint. Now, if, if it's your mate, you're probably thinking twice about that right now. <laughs> and, but you have to look beyond the flesh. Come on. Look beyond that argument you had on the way here. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. I won't go. I better. But you don't say like things like that unless you speak from experience. <laughs> And, and what's it? It's for the equipping of the saints for the what? Work of the ministry. Do you get that there? Who does the ministry? Saints. Say the saints. It's not saying the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, the pastors. Now, I'm not trying to work myself out of a job here. Okay? But my main job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You're a minister of the gospel. You're a minister of grace. You're a minister. You're, you're God's signboard. You know, he, you're his billboard on the job. You represent him on the job. But you are here tonight getting equipped. So every word you hear, every encouragement, every time the word is un unveiled before you, revealed before you, it's for, to equip you so you could do the ministry represent, minister in his name. For the edifying of the body of Christ, and that's his church once again. And these gifts were given so we might be edified until all we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. This is our goal. This is our aim. This is what we go for. We want to be more Christ-like. How many of you want to be more Christ-like? Listen, don't give up on that. First of all, it's not you that can do it. It's the Holy Spirit working in you and through you that does it. But we can yield. We make the choice. We yield ourselves, not members to sin, but members to righteousness. Romans will tell us that. So the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. And here's the reason we need to know more and more and more. Why well, it's important why you're here tonight. I wish everybody would get it. I wish everybody would get it because sometimes I realize when we come to meetings like this, it's like I'm preaching or teaching to the choir because you guys are so faithful in your hearing and I will never deny you guys learning more and more. But how many know at least one or many more people that need to be in a setting like this learning more about Christ and His Word? 
and knowing that their lives would be so much better if they did as a result of it. So God bless you and thank you for your faithfulness that we should no longer be children, what, tossed to and fro, carried about. I am so tired of the devil pushing around God's people. So tired of it, so discouraged as a result of it. I see it over and over again. It breaks my heart, let alone what it does to God, to see there's so much more. Don't you realize you're, you're a believer? There's so much, but they're being tossed. Thank God for the people that are coming in and learning about parenting so they go home and teach their kids because families are being tossed to and fro. They're being tossed around. They're being shoved around. They don't know where to go, you know, how to answer the questions that their kids have. The Bible has the answers. And not just the Bible. See, it's not just what they're going to get in these teachings. It's the very coming together in fellowship and, and sitting across from someone that they, they're facing the same thing I'm facing. The importance of coming together, the importance of us being here, learning together, has more value than we realize. Carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, and that's exactly what we're dealing with in spiritual warfare. There's deceitful plotting. We're going to talk about the strategies, the methods of the enemy that come. And we have to be on our toes, folks. We have to be on our toes. Cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow. Wednesday nights, we put a title on it, Growing, Going Deeper, Growing in the Faith. Sunday morning's great. Sunday morning's a blast. I love the praise and worship, the excitement of it, the preaching. And we learn. We can learn a lot on Sunday mornings. But going deeper, taking a step further, which gives us on these Wednesday evenings at Faith here. And may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. And there. There's the body of Christ. He addressed the body of Christ. What is the body? It has all kind of joints. Some of us are facing joint problems. <laughs> you know, but every joint supplies, you know, so every one of us has a place. Bottom line, we all have a place. We all supply one to another. We're not all the same. According to the effective working by which every part does its what? See, this moves us into the realm of out of our seats and to being active participants in the body life and, and participating in ministry. It told us at the beginning of this that we're being equipped to be ministers, not being equipped to be better sitters in the pew, but equipped to be people that are up and at it and doing what call, God has called us to do. Every part does its share. Causes what? Growth. Again, you hear the word grow and growth, and God wants us to grow more and more and more. Uh, of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let me, for the sake of this evening, it was more of a kind of set the groundwork, kind of plant some seeds about what spiritual warfare, some things about seeds. We're not going to probably do it again and again. We'll probably approach Ephesians chapter 6 from several different angles. But let me make some general statements here. How many know that there are seasons in life? Just like there are seasons. You know, we're just coming through, we're still in the summer. 
we're moving into fall. Then we're going to move into winter, and then we're going to move into spring. There are four seasons a year. There are also seasons in life. There are seasons in our life. I also find that there are seasons of times of spiritual warfare. Thank God that we're not in one big season of just spiritual warfare all the time. I mean, it would be very wearing on us. So there are going to be times that you're, and some of you might be saying, it just seems like I've been in this season for a long, long time. I, I don't believe that God wants us in one just big season of spiritual warfare all the time. He knows our frame. He knows what we're made of. So there are seasons of life. Spiritually speaking, there are seasons of life. In the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus was baptized and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, and after being tempted of the devil, it says that he left him, talking of the devil, left him for a season. That's what it says there. Left him for a season. So you could be in a spiritual warfare now, but the devil will leave you for a season. But always have to be on our toes because he's going to attempt to come back. And you're going to have to be on your toes. You can't just assume, oh, got rid of that battle. Won't face that one again. Mm, not sure of that one. You know, some things I thought I never would face. Hey, I should be over that. I should be facing that right now. And here I am 45 years into my life in Christ and coming back up again. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. But hopefully I'm stronger, more mature to be able to face it like you. But there are seasons. There are seasons of prosperity. There are seasons of spiritual attack. There are seasons when you're doing well. There are seasons when there's lack in our life. So life is filled with seasons. We have that. But in these seasons, there's something there's ha something happening. We're being developed. Our character is being developed so that we come to a place where we're more consistent with those character traits. It's not that they were just a flash for a moment, but no, consistently. You can look at a person, and you can tell one person from another person that you look at that person and say, man, more consistently I see that, that, that love, that person just... There's love. This exudes from that individual. So, there, there, so that seems to be a, a character high. <laughs> so that seems to be that, that it's consistent about their, their life. And then others, every once in a while, you'll see that they can act real nice sometimes. They're not as consistent. You know what I'm talking about. I don't want my life to be that way. I, I want it to be more consistent, my character be more consistent. And that's what these seasons are all about. Spiritual warfare helps us in this. Being led in spiritual warfare helps us in this. So, uh, talk, we want to talk about that, increase um, that opportunity to be more consistent. Now, the warfare that we're in, and here in Western world, let me put it, in our Western culture world, we don't seem to emphasize spiritual warfare as much or realize what spiritual warfare is as they do in other countries. In other countries, matter of fact, we have teams in, um, right now we have teams in Thailand, but, even, but in Thailand, I just was in Thailand, you know, about four months ago, but whether it be Thailand or, or other parts, it, it's just that, and I was there, I mean, I got a picture in my head right now. Every meeting that I had over there, there was some kind of deliverance that was taking place. 
Every meeting I was in, there was some kind of deliverance that was taking place. Matter of fact, they had teams ready, and uh, they were kind of the deliverance teams. They were just, you know, they, they were ready because they deal with it all the time. And uh, why? Because it's familiar to them. It's, it's not like this is a weird thing to them, but somehow what we've done, I always put it this way, simplistic way, we put a three-piece suit on the devil. You know, that's all we've done here in the Western culture. You know, we've dressed them up. And in all reality, we're not doing ourselves any favor at all here in the West. It's disguised more. So therefore, I would say to you and anyone in America, we're, we're more set up for failure than people in third world countries. Prosperity brings that. It does. Prosperity, blessings, set you up for things like that. You know, all of these things, I could list, I could go on and on, not, not my purpose tonight. But just to bring out the reality is that we have to be more alerted and more aware, looking for the kind of schemes, if you will, and methods that are used, because guess what? His methods are going to be different here in America than they're going to be in Africa. I'm going to get to that, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, if I do get to it, because I don't want to get into it unless I can do its service. So I'm watching the clock, all right, as we do this. So, so you, have, um, you have this external, you have this uh, warfare that's going on that has eternal consequences. Do you realize that? The consequences are eternal. You know, when you were a kid, you got in a fight, you walked away, and maybe you had a bruise or so, and went away after a period. Listen, this warfare we're in with the devil have eternal consequences. And it starts out with the soul. It's the warfare over the souls of mankind, the souls of our children, the souls of our mates, the souls of our relatives and our neighbors, etc., etc., etc. Modern Western world is, um, has a problem. What we have tried to do is we, we tried... We have an explanation for everything. Uh, so when we, when we talk about someone who is a, a, a serial killer or something like that, our explanation for it is going to be different than the Eastern world faces it. They had a bad childhood. Or, or they have dysfunctional family they grew up in. Now, that's very possible, the dysfunctional family and bad childhood. But I want to tell you, there's something behind what's taken that dysfunctional background that he's had, and has, there's a demonic activity that has moved in that causes someone to become a serial killer. So demonic is, you can't explain it. We tried to scientifically explain it away here in America, and you cannot do it. And guess what? We're trying to do it, and we can't do it, and that's why we keep having problems over and over again and will not solve them in America this way. They're solved by one way. You've got to deal with the spiritual warfare part of it. And it has to be dealt with all the time. When you talk about crime, you talk about violence, you talk about racism, you talk about the cruelty that's exhibited in our world, um, man, it's more than just a, a bad social system. <laughs> it, 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 there's some demonic activity that's going on there. Um, you know, I find it even that there's a reservation to even say the word evil. 
There, there seems to be this reservation and, 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 you know, we don't want to talk about evil. No, it's, it's almost that's, that's archaic or that's, that's an old word that we, we don't even want to use. And we're coming to the point, and guess what? Guess what the Bible says? There's a day when evil will be called good. <laughs> so there's, there'll be no distinction, distinction in it. it, it it's just, and it's this, this thinking that we have in our culture here that is a dangerous way of thinking. So we don't like to use the word uh, because what it implies is value judgments. So you're implying a value judgment or a moral absolute. And you see in our society and culture, there's no moral absolutes. That's what, that's what it comes with. There, there's no absolute. Everything is up for grabs, so to speak. Use a layman's term. Just up for grabs. Whatever is truth to you might not be truth to you. You know, da 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 da, and that's where we're going to live. What this all does is cover up this deception. It covers up this enemy working behind the scenes to destroy the world and keep the world from Christ. Ultimately, what he's trying to do. Now, the, the Bible doesn't have any problem calling evil evil, sin sin. Didn't have any problem at all. The Bible says that evil was a result, this is, and I'll get into a little bit of this, and, and we'll get a few scriptures here I want to give you. God created, there are two beings that God created, angelic beings and human beings, okay? There are two beings, and guess what? Both had a free will. I had, until this, this week, of it. Now, I, I kind of knew this before, but I never really spoke out on it too much. And hopefully I will be able to some more study and prayer over it. But there's no way when God created the angels, he had to give them a free will or they would have never been a fallen angel. The reason there was a fallen angel is because he expressed his free will to disobey God and come against his authority. So there has to be a free will among the angelic beings. Sometimes we think, well, the angels, the ones who cry holy, holy, holy before the God, is because they're just like robots and they're assigned to do, and that's what they're going to do. No, that's their assignment, but there's a free will exercise on that part. I want to cry holy, holy, holy before God. So angelic beings have free wills. They are exercised, the ones that remain with God, which indication is two-thirds of all those that were created, are exercising their free will as angelic beings to do service to God and at His bidding. And I thank God for angelic beings that are doing that because some of them are ministering angels to me. And they do it out of their free will, you know. How that happens, I can't begin to describe all that, how that happens. I just know it's happening. I just know it's happening. So there were one-third, the devil and his angels, we call them, or one-third of those angelic beings who decided to exercise their free will and went with Lucifer, who exercised his free will to disobey God and come against God and fell. Now, as a result, we have the devil. Then man is the other being that was created. We have a free will. Man exercises free will, and the free will was given to him in the garden that you had a choice either to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or not. In other words, you obey God because he said, don't touch of it, or take of that tree. So, 
but they did. So they exercised their free will to disobey and sin against God. So you have these two forces that actually are fallen. You get this picture. They're both fallen. One was fell from the third heavens or out of the grace of God, was cast out of the third heavens, down in, in the indications into the second heavens or into our atmosphere. So the realm of that angelic, fallen angelic beings, the devil and his angel, is in the second realm of which were, I believe, where you have the planets and the moon and the sun and the stars. And that's why I've said and always come to the conclusion, that's why there's been so much worship of, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with ast astrology in its place to understand these, these things up there. But when it's worshiped and it's looked to as guidance, then it becomes that we turn then from that which was recreated to what the devil's using it for is to deceive people and take their eyes off of God and being led by his spirit. Everyone follow that? So we worship the sun. You, you trace Egyptian gods or any other culture that's had their gods, they have all these cultures. They worship the sun, they worship the moon, they worship the stars. Why? Because the devil's trying to draw attention to himself and take worship that belongs to God. We end up worshiping the creation rather than the creator that is God. So you have this angelic beings that are fallen, and then you have man who has fallen because of sin away from the graces of God. Okay. Now, so the setup is this. So then human beings, then that's why Jesus Christ comes onto the scene. And when Jesus Christ comes back on the scene, he comes back and redeems mankind. You know, so it really becomes a gift. So our free choice comes into play again in that we have a free choice either to accept and choose the gift, the grace, the sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross, and we choose, Lord, to believe in our heart. And guess what? I don't want to get too tricky here, but guess what? Even that choice is prompted by the grace of God. And that's why I said I don't want to get too tricky, but there's the grace of God is always involved. It's by grace you are saved by faith. So the grace of God is what brings you, and it's, that grace is what? Gift. It's a gift that God gives us even to make the right choice at that time. Let me give you, we have time for this, okay? And then we're going to, and when we do dismiss, we're going to have to sneak out of here. Because we don't want to make noise going out. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Let me give you two portions of uh, scripture here. And I mean, we do, take about five minutes. Is that Okay. Five minutes. Uh, go with me to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, just go to Daniel chapter 10. I want to give you just uh, one more set of scriptures, um, portion of scripture here. Daniel. Daniel chapter, there it is. Chapter 10. Daniel was one of the child, children of Israel. He was uh, during the Babylonian captivity when the Babylonians came in, destroyed Jerusalem, 70 AD, led the children of Israel away to Babylon, that area there, um, that he was one of the gifted ones that were kept alive, and not only kept alive, but trained in the courts of the Babylonians to become 
become their service, to be used for their service. But he remained faithful to the Lord. You all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. There's more to Daniel than just that story of the lion's den, that's for sure. But Daniel was a faithful young man who stayed faithful to God, to his convictions, did not turn away from God, even in the midst of, of pagan uh, culture, he didn't do it. But because he stayed faithful, he was a man that heard from God. And he had visions and he had dreams and he could interpret them. So he was used. And, and that's why on these upcoming elections, listen, I'm not fearing who gets in. I'm really not. The heart of a king is in God's hands. He turns it the way he wants to turn it. Now, I would do due diligence. And I'm going to preach a message on, on uh, right before, a month before the elections approximately, on voting biblical values. That's what you vote for. We, don't, we vote biblical values, and hopefully we'll be able to do justice to that. But my point in saying this here is that Daniel was in a pagan culture under pagan pressure, and he was effective for God. We could be in a pagan world under pagan leadership and still be effective for God. The leader of our country does not take away from my effectiveness for Christ. It doesn't at all. I could live as victorious under any leadership. Now, all of us love to live under what we would call the best. But listen, I want to tell you, what we thought was the best of the past wasn't always the best of the past. You never know how God could just bless us and prosper us under what we would think is the worst. And I'm going to believe that way for my, me and my family now, I'll do due diligence, and I'll be faithful. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do spiritual warfare. Don't say, well, Pastor George said, just throw up your arms, and it doesn't matter what happens. No, that's not the way I believe, and if you know me, that's not, that's not the way I operate. But Daniel's a good example of someone could be effective in the worst of situation, and I can give you literally a dozen examples of the Bible. But I'm going to pick it up about Daniel here without saying more for sake of time. Verse 7, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face would turn deathly pale, and I was, I was helpless. I mean, he was just overcome by this whole thing. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep. My face to the ground, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Consider carefully the words that I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding. Now, I believe it was in prayer. He was doing not only prayer, but spiritual warfare understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard and I have come to respond in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Here's where we get insight into spiritual warfare, spiritual insight into what's going on in the heavenlies even as we speak. This isn't just an old, while we speak right now, this evening, there's, there's battles going on up there. Right here, over the city of Arvada, the state of Colorado, our country, the nation of Israel, da-da-da-da-da, on and on and on. And 
Do not be afraid since the first day that you set your mind. Sometimes we get discouraged and maybe we'll make it one day. <laughs> and we say, oh, well, God didn't hear me. Listen, you got to keep on praying. Set your mind to gain understanding to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard and I've come. But the prince resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, who is one of the chief princes, so in God's angelic host, the two-thirds, there's, there's leadership. Michael is one of those leaders. What's another well-known one that's been used? Gabriel. Gabriel's another one. Uh, chief princes, some believe that Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer were really the three top, and Lucifer is one of them that fell out of the top, what you, some people call archangels or other. I don't know in reality if they're not more archangels, but those are the ones mentioned as three top, but Lucifer fell. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me, and Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Now, here's an angel talking to Daniel about another angel who came to help him. This is how real it is in God's kingdom. They talk to each other, they converse with, they strategize, they come and help one another, they battle together. Get this. How do they battle? I don't know. How do you kill a spiritual being? I don't know. Maybe Star Trek movie will reveal it someday. I, 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 I don't know. Or Star Wars, I should say. Reveal it. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns the time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision. My Lord, I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you? My Lord, my strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. That's a picture. I just, just plant that picture. Let me give you one more and then we're going to go, okay? Uh, you find this one in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, this is a, a king, King Aram. And, and without taking much more time to explain, let me just read it. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. In other words, the king was enraged. Why? Every time he planned or plotted against Israel, it seemed like before they got there, someone revealed the plans and they lost. He was frustrated. He was speaking, yelling at his leaders. And they said, man, there's a guy over there. He's a man of God. He's a prophet. And he tells the king what you're going to do. <laughs> it's kind of funny in a way. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can, come, can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. I mean, he was freaked out. And don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Listen, why I want to end with this tonight. And get this in. Those who are with us are more than they who are with them. I don't care what battle, how intense it seems. 
you'll have more. I started out by having us repeat that, you know, that he's above all and there are more with us. Finish it up here. And don't be afraid to prophet. Those who are with us are more of those with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elijah. It wasn't his physical eyes he needed open. He needed open his spiritual eyes. Would you stand with me, please? We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.